we'll be reading a few um, excerpts from Psalm 103 tonight. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my innermost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion? Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles? He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, you who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Shelby. Hope you all are doing well. We're going to jump straight into Psalm 103. So if you've got a Bible and you haven't turned there, go ahead and turn there. The way we have broken this Psalm series down, we're in week two of this series, is I want to do three things as we look at the Psalms. One, we want to learn to study the Psalm. Two, we want to see Jesus in the Psalms. And three, we want to learn to pray the psalm. And I want to just elaborate on that briefly. When I talk about praying the psalm, I'm really talking about like telling the Lord what he has given us in his word and hearing back from the Lord. Prayer is a two-way street. We talk to the Lord. He speaks to us. He speaks to us through his word. It's amazing how his Holy Spirit will convict us around the word when we talk to him and just quote the word back to him. But also, it begins to cultivate this lifestyle of living out the word. So incorporated in praying the word is doing the word. So again, we want to study the Psalms. We want to see Jesus in the Psalms, and we want to learn to pray the Psalms. So tonight, Psalm 103, it's, it's got a famous verse in the middle of it, and, uh, and we're going to get there. But here's how we're going to do this. I'm going to, uh, in just a second, I'm going to use... The, my iPad, you're going to see the verses on the screen, and I'm going to mark this up as though I were studying it myself. And so you'll see how I would mark it up. I'll talk through it. I'll walk through it. I'll mark it up. I'll make some notes, and, uh, and hopefully they'll be like mostly legible. I'll take a screenshot of it. I may have already done that when I was like going through it earlier. I'll take a screenshot of it, and I'll send it out in the group me later on if you want to see what those notes look like. But I would encourage you to kind of find your own system of marking up the scriptures. So I'm going to mark it up. Then I'm going to teach through a couple of different parts of it. And, uh, and I think where we land tonight is, one, just amazing the way Jesus jumps out, and two, kind of haunting in the conviction that this psalm brings us. So let's start. Uh, As Shelby read, the first opening line here, the opening line in this psalm is, bless the Lord, O my soul. And if you notice, the word bless happens multiple times. So when you look at a psalm, it's a poem, and you want to find out, like, who is it written to? What's it written for? This is interesting. Bless the Lord, O my soul. This is one of the few psalms that is a note to self. David wrote this psalm to himself to remember, I need to bless the Lord. 
I need to live this out. I need this for me. Sometimes you just like have that moment where you're like, I don't care who's around me. I don't care what's happening. I, I just need to pray. I just need to lift my hands up. I just need to like get away and go seek the Lord. You just need that moment where it's like, I just need this thing for me right now. My tank is empty. I don't have anything left to give. And that's the place David is at when he comes up with this psalm. And so under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes these words. So bless seems to be an important word. So I'm going to see how many times I can find it. It's in the first verse twice. We see it again in the second verse. And now what we see with Psalms is that a lot of times they're bookends. So like the start and the end can look pretty similar. So if you're, um, if you're uh, like prone to motion sickness, please turn away. And here we go. Now when we get to the bottom, well look at that. There's the word bless. Bless the Lord, you his angels. He goes on and he says, bless the Lord, all his hosts and ministers, bless the Lord, all his works and all his places of his dominion and bless the Lord, O my soul. Now, wait a minute. I think I saw that line at the beginning. So let's do this. Bless the Lord, O my soul is how it ends. If we go back up, bless the Lord, O my soul is how this starts. And that leads me to a couple of questions. And so if you have one of those Bibles with the margins, those are awesome. If you have a journal, those are great. I recommend having one Bible that you can like just, I mean like just write in. You just write, like if you lost it, it would just be like the saddest thing. If your dog ran away, like most sad, tied with if you lost that Bible and you would be like, I don't know which is worse right now because that Bible had all my notes in it. Um, so I would say, mark it up. But this makes me want to ask a few questions. Like, what does it mean to bless the Lord? Why do I bless the Lord? And how? And so I'll just make a little abbreviation. Bless the Lord. So I want to look at those three things, the what, the why, and the how of bless the Lord. So it's, let's just mark up a few more things before we come back to this question that we have here. Uh, another thing that, that really jumps out, and Shelby read it, is we're supposed to bless the Lord, oh my soul, and do what? Forget not his benefits. And so I think that if you've been in that spot where you're like trying to like reignite your faith, this is me holding jumper cables and using the word ignite. They don't go together, by the way. Um, when, you, when you're trying to restart your faith, you're trying to jumpstart. That's what I was going for. You're trying to jumpstart your faith. You're trying to get back into following the Lord. Sometimes you have to remind yourself, what is good about following the Lord? Well, David is doing the same thing, and he recalls the benefits of the Lord. And so what are the Lord's benefits? Well, the Lord forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with steadfast love. He satisfies you with good, and then he renews your youth. And so if we just wanted to be a little cheeky, we would come out to the side, and we would write Botox. All right, and so like, and I do stuff like that because I'm like, I just need like a handle to hold this thing. I just need to be able to think about it. Botox is not a Hebrew word. Um, it's not in there, but I just, sometimes it's like, I just need like some handles to hold on to what's happening here. So we start to see uh, like a lot of things happening here at the beginning, but there's another word that kind of jumps off the page here. 
And it's this word all, and it's in here several times. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Forget not all his benefits. He forgives all your iniquity. He heals all your diseases. So four times that word is at the beginning. Now, we're seeing, could we see a pattern? If he starts this way, would he end this way? So let's look at the bottom here. His kingdom rules over all. And then he goes on and he says, he, he uh, bless the Lord, all of his host. Uh, bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. So he uses it four times at the start and four times at the end. And again, if I was marking this up, I would say all his host and ministers, all his works, all his places of his dominion, his kingdom rules over all. And then I would go back up to the top and I would say, he heals all your diseases, all your iniquity, all his benefits. Now, I do want to kind of talk about a couple of these real quick. So the first one, I think we, we, we've kind of seen a little bit of a pattern here, the start and the end. I'll just zoom out so you can see what I see when I look at this whole, like if I was looking at it, that is really small, but at least you can see the colors. So the colors at the top, you can't see that, Never mind. <laughs> I take it back, I lied. Okay, what you'll see if you're doing this in your Bible is the top part and the bottom part start to look pretty similar. We see the pattern in this psalm, which means there's got to be something kind of like sandwiched in there, like what is in the middle. We're going to get to that in just a second, but I think it's important to start to break things down and we say, okay, what does it mean to bless the Lord with all my soul? And by the way, in Hebrew, it actually reads different than this. It says, bless, O oh my soul, the Lord. And that sounds like a subtle difference, but it's actually a self-command. Like, you've got this in you. And you do if you're a Christian because you have the Holy Spirit. So the idea here is, okay, soul, we are going to bless the Lord. If David could do this pre-Christ, if we are post-Christ Christians, we have the Holy Spirit, we definitely can rally through the Holy Spirit and say, okay, soul, I am going to bless the Lord. And when you look up this word bless, it's very interesting because it answers the question of what? The word in Hebrew is this word. It's barak. And barak means to kneel. The Hebrew word barak, bless, means to kneel. Kneel my soul before the Lord. Do you realize that your soul, your being, your inmost being is already knelt to something? You bow down to something, I guarantee it. Some of you have bowed down to your roommates. 
Some of you have bowed down to a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Some of you have bowed down to parents, to bosses. Some of you, if your boss called you right now and you know it's not important, just because you're so fearful of disappointing them, you would be like, I'm out, I'm gone, I'm gonna do the thing. Like, you, that, is, that means you kneel to that person. Like some of you have that, those people that you, you, I mean, you are knelt to them. You, your verse might as well read, bless the boss, oh my soul. Because you are knelt to that person. When we look at the benefits of the Lord in just a second, I can guarantee you the benefits of the Lord are way better than the benefits of anyone else you might be knelt to. And so this idea, this idea of what, what is David saying? He's saying, I'm supposed to kneel to the Lord. All that is within me, kneel to the Lord and kneel to his holy name. Oh, my soul, kneel to him. And don't forget all of his benefits And what are those benefits? Look at the screen with me. Those benefits. He forgives your iniquity. He heals your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. He satisfies you with good. He renews your youth. This is a powerful scene of what the Lord does. And this is David reminding himself, God, this is who you are. This is what you do. And in just a second, I'm going to come back and I'm going to highlight these. But I want to just look at the middle of this text for a second because I think we need to see this whole picture and then come back and look at what David was building. So it makes me ask the question, what happens in verse 6? all the way until we get down to verse 19 where we have some things highlighted. So in verse 6, what we have is the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. That's a direct quote from the most quoted verse in the Old Testament, uh, Exodus 34, 6 and 7. He will not always chide. He will keep his anger. He will not keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. This is the most famous verse in the passage, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion passions to those who fear him. He knows our frame. He remembers that we're dust. And after verse 14, we really kind of almost in the middle here, verse 14, we transition to a few verses about us. So let me read these verses. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind passes over it and it is gone and its place knows it no more. So what we have here for just a couple of verses, maybe like two and a half, is this whole picture of us. This is the picture of us. We are like grass that is here and then gone. 
That's how awesome you are. Congratulations, that's how awesome I am. We're like, just like passing through very briefly. So what would I call this? I would call this Yeah, I would say man is a whole mood. There's the whole mood right there of man. Man is like not much, gone. Well, what does that tell us about all of these verses? I'm going to shrink it down. I know you probably can't see it, but six all the way through the middle of 14. All these incredible things about the Lord. I would say... What we have here is this incredible picture of a God who is gracious, who is kind, who does not remember our transgressions, who will not stay mad forever, all these evers, who is patient, kind, forgiving, loving, just, righteous, true. Like all this stuff is about God and this little tiny bit is about man. And I think this is David once again in this Psalm reminding himself, you know what? Don't take myself so serious. I'm not even here that long. Some of us take our, I remember being at a coffee shop one time and I was taking myself so serious. I was like very important. I was like 21 or something. I was like really important, and, and I don't even remember what I was stressed about, but I remember, and I've told some of you this story before, but I remember seeing my shadow on the floor of the coffee shop, and my hair was kind of wild. I, I had some then. It was cool. Um, I had good high school hair. I had really good high school hair. Um, and so my hair was like kind of wild, making this like weird shadow, and it looked kind of like a monkey. And, uh, and so when I looked down and saw it, I couldn't help but laugh at my own shadow, and I really thought the Lord in that moment said, Thomas, don't take yourself so serious. I had inverted these two, and I was all about the, the mood is man, and like that's my thing, and like we're very important, and we have so much to offer and so much to do and so much to accomplish. And the Lord was like, you're not even going to be here that long. I'm, I'm the one who sets the standard. I'm the one who's been around. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I always was and I always will be. I just invited you into this for a minute. But there's a couple of more things that I want to highlight real quick, and then I want to go back to that first part. I saw a couple of words that repeated I think one was in verse 18, actually two are in 18. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting, his righteousness to his children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. So there's this idea of keeping his covenant and doing his commandments. David is reminding himself God is so beneficial to know, so beneficial to follow. He is so kind and so compassionate, but he's not that way to everybody. Who is he that way to? He's that way to the people who keep his covenant and remember his commandments. I wonder if the Lord anywhere in here 
keeps something and remembers something. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. And, verse 14, he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. The Lord does not keep his anger forever, and the Lord remembers that we are dust. And so what we start to see in this psalm, and it would be so much better if I could zoom it out, but it would just look like nothing on the screen, just dust, is that we are told to keep and remember But we're told to keep and remember because the Lord himself keeps and remembers. Now, I want to go back to this first part. These verses in particular. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits, who forgives your iniquity, heals, redeems, crowns, satisfies, and renews. Most Christians... I think are so plagued with guilt and worry, unnecessary stress, anger, lust. They look just like everybody else. You read verses like this and you think, I don't know that I'll ever uh, feel healed or redeemed, or crowned, or satisfied, or renewed. I guess that's just for the super Christians. Let's walk through these truths for just a minute. These are the benefits of the Lord. First, he forgives your iniquity. That's when you become a Christian nowadays. This, back in the day when David wrote this, was when he believed in God and trusted that God would somehow remove his sins. And today, post Jesus living, dying, and being resurrected again, we receive this forgiveness as soon as we put our our, our faith in Christ. But most Christians stop right there. Most Christians, the majority of people, I think who are going to wash up on the shores of heaven are going to say, I missed out on so much when it comes to knowing God. I missed out on almost all of these benefits They believed that God could forgive them, but they didn't believe he could get them to the next level. And what is the next level? And I know that's probably not the perfect word, but what's the next one on the list here? Healing. I'll tell you why I I, I think most of you don't believe that God can really heal, because I'll use pornography for an example. I hear week after week about a guy dealing with porn, a guy, another guy dealing with porn, a guy dealing with porn, another guy dealing, I mean, it's like, it's it's almost like, hey, I need to talk to you, and I'm like, I know what you're going to tell me or what you're going to tell me about them. It's like, it's so common. And these are Christian guys. I promise you, these guys do not believe that God can heal, which means completely remove. The Lord doesn't just like help you walk with a really like a really good limp where you can like almost walk all the time without pain. Like he can get you past a sin. He can get you fully past a sin. He doesn't partially heal. He doesn't kind of heal. He gets it out of your life. And most people just don't believe that that's a thing. They don't believe it's possible. 
And the reason they don't believe it's a thing and they don't believe it's possible is because the enemy has some extremely compelling counterattacks to all of these. But the Lord not only forgives, that's just the start. I did a, a wedding this past Saturday of my nephew, and, uh, and it was great. I see Jackson over here. Jackson was in the wedding. It was like such a, it was such a sweet wedding. Like he had like the, the, the ugly chin when she walked down the aisle, you know, like the I'm not going to cry hard, but I am definitely crying. Like it was like really, really sweet. Do you know when their marriage like started? It started when I said, you can kiss the bride. This is Mr. and Mrs. Dylan Renz. It started right there. It didn't end there. Thank the Lord it doesn't end there. That's what happens when you become a Christian. It starts. So this first part forgives all your iniquity. And by the way, the word iniquity means perversity, depravity, shame, and guilt. He forgives you of that, and then he heals you. And not only does he heal you, but after you're healed, after you are walking free from a pattern you could have never broken free on your own, after you are walking free, not only does he do that, but then he redeems your life from the pit. And that's when you're like, oh my goodness, I hear your story and I used to be there too. And you start to see not only did he heal me, but he brought me out of the pit. And now he's like using the bad things for good. Oh, this is like, th this was like an extra benefit. I didn't even know this was possible. I thought the Lord was just ashamed of me because I struggled with this thing for so long or I had this thing in my life for so long. But not only did he forgive me of my sins and then heal me of that, now he's using that for good. But the problem at this point is that a lot of times we don't feel worthy to get out of the pit. We feel like, like, we should just be sorrowful all the time over our old life, and so we just like to kind of live in it. I, I, my my step-grandfather, he was a, an amazing man. He passed away just a couple of years ago. But I really feel like he lived at this place most of his Christian life. He was always so sorry for his old life. And he and I would talk, and I would try to say, yeah, but, but, but the Lord's, like, saved you, and, and he's, like, delivered you from that, and you're not that person anymore, and I think you could really use your story to help some other people. But he just had such shame. He never felt like he was worthy to come out of the pit. And you know what? He wasn't worthy to come out of the pit, but the one who was bringing him out of the pit was completely worthy. It's not about you being worthy. It's about the one who's getting you out of the pit. He's worthy. And then, and then not only do you get to use the story, the Lord gets to use your story about how he forgave you and healed you and redeemed you. He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Some of you are so, you, you have like no, no confidence in your walk with the Lord, no confidence in being a Christian, no confidence in the forgiveness you have, no confidence in the healing you have, no confidence in the pit that he pulled you out of. It's like any second, you're like, I'm going to go back there. I'm going to go back there. I'll somehow get back there. If we go on this date, like I know I'll just go right back there. Like there's a place where the Lord says, hey, I have made you strong and I am with you and I'm going to crown you with my steadfast love and my mercy. And there's a point of being a believer where you can stand really tall and proud 
because of what the Lord has done. Not because of anything you've done, but you're just proud of him. And it is incredible when you're proud of the Lord. If you get to this place, watch out, because you're like on fire. You're in a great spot when you get to this place. So watch out for the attacks of the enemy, but also just know like this is a sweet, sweet, unfortunately rare place to be because then you start to be, you start to see the blessings of the Lord. You start to see the things that he lets you go through as good. You start to see the things that he spared you from as so good. And you start to realize, Lord, you have satisfied me with your good. And then there comes this like linchpin moment. Like, and you don't come back from this. Once you get here, like you don't come back. This linchpin moment of being satisfied with his good where you're like, Oh, this is temporary. I'll get to be with him forever. Oh, come, Lord Jesus, come. You start to say things like Paul said, like really reckless things, like to live is Christ, but to die is gain. It is a beautiful place when he satisfies you with his good and you have this extra strength to carry on in this life and you're renewed like a youthful person. In just a few minutes when we end our time of looking through this psalm and will and the team come back and lead worship, we're going to have our prayer team back over in the corner. We have them over there every Tuesday night. But some of you tonight... It would be so beneficial of you if you had one of our prayer team folks say over, pray over you and if you just said, you know what, I'm stuck. I just don't think the Lord can heal me of this thing. You don't have to be super graphic about what the thing is. I just don't think he can bring any good from this. I don't think he can redeem it. I just don't think I can stand with my head tall after all that I've been through. I don't think he can crown me with steadfast love and mercy. I don't feel satisfied with his good. I think you just need to have someone pray over you, specifically one of these parts of Psalm 103. But remember, and I wish we had like, two hours to cover this psalm. There's so much in here. I, I, I want to talk about the word all and how all should remind us of Deuteronomy 6.5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength, the Shema. I, I want to talk about uh, 2 Timothy 1.14. I actually may talk about that one. There's so many different little cross-references that are in here, but what I want to look at real quick are these two ideas of keep and remember and then keep and remember. So the why, going back to the very top, the why of bless the Lord, O my soul, kneel before the Lord, the why is right here. It's his benefits. And then his benefits are expounded with that whole list of his character in the middle, verses 6 through 14. It's this whole list of who God is. That's the why. The what is I kneel before him. The why is because he's so kind and gracious and merciful. But then I think we have to ask the question of how. Well, it says, 
the, the way that we do this is we keep his covenants and remember to do his commandments. This word keep, I'm going to slide this over and write a word here. This word keep is shamar. And shamar is used 468 times in the Hebrew Bible, and it means to guard. 2 Timothy 1.14, Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, guard like a watchman on a tower, like Simply Safe, like whatever alarm system you have. Guard the truth you know about God. Watch for little lies to come in. One of the practical ways to bless the Lord, to kneel before him, is to be really careful what creeps into your head about your thoughts of God. So the, one, of the, one of the key ways to bless the Lord is to guard what we think of him. And the second one is to do his commandments. I said this last week, and I'll say it again this week. Adrian Rogers, a famous pastor out of Memphis, Tennessee, uh, he was a boxer before he became a Christian. He was this tough guy. And he had a really way, a really good way of saying like incredibly simple things that were super profound. For instance, he said, obedience is the one ingredient missing from most Christians' lives. Do you realize you can have the Bible memorized, you can have all your systematic theology books memorized and not do a thing that honors the Lord with your life? So it's one thing to guard what you know about the Lord, but it's a whole other thing to do his commandments. One of the things that Jason, our, our lead pastor, his dad says to him or said to him when he was growing up is, Jason, do the next right thing. Some of us just need to pause and just say, where am I not being obedient? What has God convicted me of? Where do I start? So these are our ways to do the how. But let's go back because we're looking for Jesus in the psalm. Now this word keep, he will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. Remember, we're trying to find like Jesus in the psalms. It's like what we named the series. So far, he's not just popped off the page. We, it, like there's a foreshadowing of him in this passage, but he hasn't just popped off the page. And I want to show you something that I discovered when I was studying this that I think is just fascinating. So this word keep, this arrow is supposed to go down there. This word keep is the word natar. Natar, my handwriting is terrible. Natar also means to guard. Natar is only used nine times. Now, why would David say, the Lord will not keep his anger forever and use a whole different word when the words mean the same when he said, you, remember, to keep what God has entrusted to you. The Lord won't keep his anger. It's the same thing. Why would he use a different word? 
Remember, David's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That word tar, natar is very similar in Hebrew to another word, which is natzer. And natzer means a branch. Could there be a clue in this passage that David was given by the Holy Spirit to say this is how God is not going to keep his anger forever? Maybe the Lord will use a branch somehow to like not keep his anger forever. Isaiah 11, chapter, chapter 11, verse 1, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. Now, there's a little town. You may have heard of it. This is town Nazareth. We would say Nazareth. It was called Branch Town. Do you remember a guy who was from Branch Town? Jesus of Nazareth. David, right there through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has put the cross of Christ in the middle of this psalm. Right here we see Jesus. This is how the Lord will not keep his anger forever. He's going to use this stick. He's going to use this shoot from Jesse, and he's going to grow up in Shootville, and they're going to call him Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth is the keeper. He's the one who God said, I'm going to take my anger out on you. I'm not going to keep it on them forever. Now, if that's true, let's keep reading. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. No, he doesn't. He did that to Jesus. He put our sins on him. He dealt with him according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. How is that possible? How, is, how does God remove our transgressions as far as the east is from the west? That, you know, they never touch. You know, north and south actually touch. Like once you get to the very north, like anywhere you go is south. East and west never touch. This goes back to Leviticus chapter 16, which is the biggest foreshadowing in the Old Testament outside of the Passover of Jesus. And it's got this priest, and he kills a bull, and he goes into the temple on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and he has two goats, and he flips a coin. One goat gets, the, gets heads, and one goat gets tails. The one who gets heads, I'm, I don't know if this is how, if he got heads or tails, but the one who gets heads, his neck is lifted up, and his blood is spilled out and caught and sprinkled on the altar, and he is burned up. The other goat is called, uh, is called the scapegoat, and he is sent off into the desert. Before this happened, both goats get the sins of the people listed on them. Those two goats who were together will never, ever, ever be together again. As far as the east is from the west, they'll never be together again. It is this incredible separation of the sin from the people. It's this incredible picture Jesus, in the book of Hebrews, chapters 9 and 10, is not only the goat who got sent away. 
Remember when he rose from the dead, he said, I have, don't touch me. I haven't yet been with my father. He's not only the one who got sent away, he was the one who was bled out and killed. But not only that, he was the priest. He was the whole picture of Yom Kippur. He removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. And if you look, if I backed it up just a little bit, what you would see, I know it's super small, but what you would see is right in the middle of the psalm, we find Jesus. Now, folks, to begin keeping his covenant and remembering to do his commands, to begin blessing, kneeling before the Lord with all your soul, one thing has to be true of you, and that is you've got to be a Christian. In 2 Timothy 1.14, when Paul reiterates this passage and says to guard what God has entrusted to you, he says to do it by the Holy Spirit. You can't live out anything in this psalm without what happens in the middle. And so if tonight you're like, I need the benefits of the Lord, I don't know him, then the Lord's calling you and it's beautiful. And my guess is that's some of you, but my guess is most of you fall somewhere in here. And you have forgotten his benefits. And you don't really believe that he can do these things. You don't really believe that he can forgive all of your sin or heal all of your diseases or really, really make all the wrong things right and redeem your life or crown you and let you finally stand with confidence. You know, this one was probably the hardest one for me. And you know who it was hardest to to, to be confident in the Lord around other Christians who I felt had judged me so hard. Let's be a people of great grace towards each other. Let's be a people who welcome back the sheep that has wandered away. Let's be a people of second and third and tenth chances. But I hope as we've looked at this psalm tonight, the Lord has spoken to you somewhere. I hope it hasn't just been an exercise in how to mark up a bunch of verses. I want to just ask you, is there one of these benefits where you're stuck and you need the Lord to get you through it? I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to pray over you with these words. Lord, your benefits are so many. And because of who you are and what you've done, I need to bow my soul, my, all, my whole being before you. Lord, would you help me to know if I'm stuck with the way you forgive all my iniquity or the way you heal all my diseases or the way you redeem my life from the pit or the way you crown me with steadfast love and mercy or the way you satisfy me with good or the way you renew me with youth. And Lord, if I've tried and tried and I just can't do any of these, I can't keep and remember the things of you.
Lord, would you just let me know if I really know you or not? And if not, may tonight be the night I come to know you. Here's as we sing to you, Lord, move in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.